0: Well, hello Long Hill Chapel and happy Easter. I'm so glad I get to be with you today. My name is Pastor Michael and I just wanna wish you a happy Easter. This is the day that if you are a Christ follower, we celebrate that Jesus gained victory over sin and death and the grave. A few days ago, we remembered on Good Friday that Jesus was crucified, that he died for my sin and for your sin and for the sins of the whole world, but that that wasn't the end of the story that on the third day he rose again. And he has given us hope that begins now and extends all the way into eternity. And so that's what we celebrate together today. You know, about seven or eight years ago, I will never forget the run up to the birth of my first son, my older son, Christopher. And it was our first time being parents and we did what any parent did. We tried to get as ready as we could. We tried to anticipate all the changes that would come into our lives when a baby came into the house. And so we went and we toured the hospital and the maternity ward. Uh, we took the classes for labor and how to breathe and how I could help encourage my wife, Grace, and I took copious notes. You know, actually still to this day, I have a note in my phone of all of the, the notes and the specifics and all of the things that I was going to do and how we were going to go about it and, and just all of the details and things that I could keep track of and write down. And if you're a parent, you're laughing right now because you know that the moment the baby actually comes into the world, even in the process leading up, all of those things go completely out the window. And it's this wild, chaotic, but really beautiful ride for so many of us. And here's where I'm going with this story, is the reality of it was very different than anything I possibly could have expected. You know, I'd seen other people be parents. I'd grown up as a child. But the reality of entering into that experience myself was it was a brand new, messy experience. It was full of new life. It was full of the unexpected. But none of the notes I took mattered at all. Uh, Most of them just weren't even relevant to where we found ourselves. It was nothing at all like we expected. And Jesus, when he came into the world, it was nothing like any of the ancient people expected. When he entered his public ministry, it wasn't like so many people expected. But then as he led up to the events that we celebrate this weekend, his death, his crucifixion, his burial, and then his resurrection, that was not like anyone expected either because Jesus was not the king. He was not the one who anyone expected because he didn't come and rule and reign in the way that people expected him to. And you and I, we do the same thing. We, we project our own vision, our own version, our own expectations onto Jesus. And Jesus comes and he gives us something different than what we expected. Different than what his original followers expected. But if we'll hold on through the story, we discover that it's actually something that's so much better. And that's really what we celebrate at Easter on a day like this. We're going to look at a passage today that leads up to the Easter story. And most of us know the story, we know the, the words, we we know that 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 early morning at the tomb where where Jesus rose again. But these are in the events leading up. And they show us a picture of who Jesus came to be and why this event that we celebrate so much on this day matters. And it's in the Gospel of Mark, the fourth of the Gospel writers that we've looked at over these past few weeks. We've looked at a story from Matthew, one from Mark now today. We've looked at Luke and John, and this is in chapter 10. And it's another one of those stories where Jesus is pointing ahead and he's saying, these are the things that are going to happen. This is what's going to go down. And his followers didn't get it. But then he does something more than that. He paints a picture of who he had come to be, the kind of king, the kind of ruler, that he had come to be. And it was very different than anyone expected. And so we pick up today in Mark chapter 10 and beginning at verse 32. And it goes like this, they were on their way to Jerusalem. So this was the journey up to the point where the story of the Easter events occurs and the place where it occurs. They're on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside And that's his closest followers. And he told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. And so Jesus gives away the entire story here. I don't know if you've ever watched the TV series or, or you've watched a movie and there's someone who's seen it before you have and you have to tell them not to give away the story. Jesus summarizes everything that's going to happen in the events of the Easter story in the short account. But then look at how his disciples respond and it's, it's actually kind of humorous in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do... For us, whatever we ask. I don't know if you've ever had your kids do this to you. Like one of them comes to you and they try to get you to say yes to something before they'll tell you what you're saying yes to. That's what Jesus' disciples are doing here. And so Jesus kind of plays along. He says, What do you want me to do for you? He asks. That's a key phrase that we'll come back to later. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other one at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said. This is like a nice way of saying like, duh, because Jesus has just given this very sobering, detailed account of what is going to happen and what's going to happen to him. And it's not great stuff. He's going to be handed over. He's going to be crucified and he's going to die. But then he's going to rise on the third day. And it's almost like his disciples weren't even listening at all. And so Jesus has gone through this like lengthy talk and this explanation, and it was just like 30 seconds ago, but his closest followers were so stuck on this picture of who they thought Jesus was going to be, how they thought things were going to play out, projecting on him what they thought he could do for them and their plans for upward mobility. It's almost like they didn't even hear anything he actually said. And we look at the story and we chuckle to ourselves and we say, you know, well, that's silly. Why weren't you guys listening? But in our own way, we do this too. We have a picture of who we've decided Jesus is and what we've decided he can do for us. Jesus goes on and he asks them a question. He says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they basically answer, sure, whatever it takes, we'll do it. We can, they answered. And the story tells us later on that, no, absolutely, they could not. Jesus said to them, you'll drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. And he's saying, if you're going to actually follow me, you're going to have to do it my way. You're going to have to follow my path. You're actually going to have to follow in the path that I'm going to walk on. And it's not going to lead you to the places of prestige and power and position that you think it's going to. This isn't about the perks or the payoff when the 10, and that's the other 10 disciples, had heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And he's saying, you know, this, there's a way that you're used to people who have power acting whether they're kings, whether they're rulers, uh, they do a certain thing. When they get power, they, they use it to their own advantage. They use it to position themselves. They use it in the way uh, that your compatriots here, James and John, want to use it. But that's not my way. Verse 43, key words. He says, not so with you. This is so important for us to understand that when we follow Jesus, It leads us on a specific path, and we cannot invoke Jesus for our power, for our prestige, or for our positioning. It actually leads us somewhere else. So he's not just speaking to his little group of 12 inner circle followers here. He's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to his followers then and now. We don't get to do it like other people do it. Not so with us. Then he goes on and he explains what that looks like. He says, instead... Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so in this brief sentence, we see a picture of the story of that is going to play out before them. But the story that we celebrate today, which is the Easter story, they go to Jerusalem and things play out. Jesus enters the city and he enters on a donkey's colt and he fulfills a prophecy and everybody's like, this is the guy, this is the moment, here's the one who's gonna bring it back. This is our Messiah. But then that path leads them, not to overthrow the halls of power, but to the temple. And then ultimately throughout the week as the events progress to Jesus' arrest, to Jesus crucifixion his death but then his resurrection for some of you for me a picture is worth a thousand words you know i'm a visual learner and i'm one of those people that if you just show me how to do something or you show me a picture of what it's supposed to look like it's so much easier than explaining it to me That's what Jesus does next, is he's just illustrated, he's talked about, this is how the path is going to go, but then he connects it to actual events. He connects it to a story that we don't usually connect together with the verses that we've just heard, because Jesus then paints a specific picture for his disciples, and I believe by extension to us, of what this story of Easter looks like. Verse 46, then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus has kind of built up a following. He's built up a legend. The stories have begun to circulate. And so Bartimaeus calls out to him in specific language. He says, Jesus, son of David. He's calling out in that Messiah, king-like language. He's using the words that everyone would have associated with this grand position that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to occupy. And everybody hears this guy start to talk and they respond to it. Verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever been in a moment where there's something going on that's kind of important or maybe it's someone who's important and someone disruptive shows up in that moment. They start talking or they start doing something. It's totally awkward. At first, everyone just tries to ignore them. And then you try to minimize it. And ultimately what happens is someone tries to remove the distraction. That's kind of a picture of what's going on here is this big moment where Jesus is headed through town and he's headed up to Jerusalem and everyone thinks they know, knows who he is and where this is going to go and how it's going to lead and how it's going to play out. And then this guy starts to show up and he just starts to disrupt the scene. And everybody tries to shush him because Jesus is important. What's happening right now is important. And the implication, by extension, is that Bartimaeus is not important at all. He's a distraction. He's a disruption. He's an obstacle. And for all the people who had experienced kings and governors and rulers and soldiers and commanders and anyone in power, they would have been absolutely accustomed to those people seeing someone like this as someone who needed to be silenced, pushed to the side and pushed out of the way so that the important things could continue to happen. Because those people, they were the little people. They were there to serve the rulers, bow down to them, get out of the way and keep quiet. But that's not just them. It's us, too. You know, we begin to think like this when we begin to believe that we have power, position, means, influence, importance. We subtly begin to sort the world into who can do things for me and who can't. Think about, just for a second, the phone calls, the emails, the texts that you're likely to return the most quickly and the ones that you're more likely to push to the side or even ignore. We all do this. And the last thing we want when we're doing something that we think is important is for people like that and situations and circumstances like that to disrupt us, delay us, distract us, and keep us from doing those important things, from getting our agenda done. And we would expect that Jesus, as he travels this important path to Jerusalem to accomplish the thing that he was brought onto earth to accomplish, even though it was a very different understanding than the people had of what he was going to be. You'd think that this would just be like a disruption or a distraction or an obstacle to him. But look what Jesus does. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. I can imagine the disciples, the people around Jesus, but Jesus, we have a schedule to keep. Everybody's watching. Everybody's waiting. You don't have time for this. We learn something here, important about Jesus and about the way of Jesus. The things everyone else sees as an obstacle, Jesus sees as an opportunity. The things, and in this case, the people, everyone else would see as an obstacle, as a distraction, as a disruption, Jesus sees as an opportunity. He sees them differently. Where in your life is there something, is there someone that you feel like is an obstacle? It's a barrier to you getting done the things that you feel like, and maybe they are really important, but the things that are important and need to happen. It's someone or something that's messing up your schedule, messing with your plans. Here's a question for you. What if Jesus sees that thing or that person differently than you do? What you and I do with obstacles is we try to overcome them, climb over them, overpower them, get past them. What if maybe you decided, like Jesus here, to embrace the disruption rather than to avoid it or to fight it? And so Jesus stops the crowd. He stops the parade. He stops this entourage that seems like it's headed on this path to destiny. And he pays attention to a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. So it goes on. Said so he called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asks him a question that sounds familiar to us if you've been paying attention to the scriptures we've been reading today. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. These are exactly the same words that James and John tried to pry out of Jesus at the very beginning of our scripture passage today. The ones they tried to pry out of Jesus to empower and to elevate themselves. Here it's different. Jesus takes the initiative. He stops the journey. He stops the entourage. He turns to the side to this man who has nothing to offer. He has no power. He has nothing that he can do for Jesus. And instead, Jesus asks him that question. What do you want me to do for you? It's upside down. Instead of James and John where it's what can you do for me, Jesus, to elevate me? Instead, it's what can I do for you? We see here that Jesus does something that you wouldn't expect kings or rulers or messiahs or even important teachers and rabbis, let alone the savior of the world, to do for anybody. Jesus serves the servants. Jesus serves the ones who should be bowing down to him. Instead, he stops and he serves them. And so the blind man, Bartimaeus, answers the question. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. And so this little action that Jesus takes, this miracle that he performs, it transforms Bartimaeus from a beggar into a follower. It gives him his dignity and his purpose back. He's not trying to find his way around. He's not trying to beg. He's not trying to just survive and eke out an existence. It gives him back the thing that gives his life meaning and purpose and potential. And Bartimaeus uses those things, not for himself, but to follow Jesus. So this Easter, let's find our place in this story. This Easter, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Is there a place or situation in your life where you feel like Bartimaeus? You feel hopeless or you feel powerless? This Easter, even as we sing the songs as we celebrate, Jesus stops and he looks you in the eye. There's nothing more important than this to him. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do that will give you your purpose back? But the reason that he does that is not so that we can spend that on ourselves, not so that we can follow our own way, but so that we can follow Jesus. And in following Jesus, we can also do that for others, just like Bartimaeus then followed Jesus along the road but there's also an extension. And this is really where the Easter story comes home to us because yes, we celebrate the risen savior. We celebrate the one who had victory over sin and death in the grave and gives us hope. But we're not just here to throw a party for ourselves. We are here to celebrate that by being the ambassadors of it for others. So the second question is this, what can you do for someone else like Jesus? would do it. Where is there someone or a situation in your life that you could respond in the same way that Jesus did here? Knowing that you have the power of the Spirit of God, if you're a Jesus follower in your life, you have the same power as the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight that raised Jesus from the dead. It's alive and it's active in you. And it's not just there so that you can go to heaven at the end of your life. It's not just there so that you can feel self-assured about your destiny. It's there for something greater than that. And it's that you would go into the world and you would embody those same things in the lives of other people. Someone or something that may look like an obstacle, someone who can't do anything for you, who actually seems like, it seems like a distraction on the path of important things that need to happen in your life. Someone who has nothing to offer, no power, or even any dignity, but someone that you could, in the name of Jesus, restore those things to. It's turning an obstacle into an opportunity. Look at what Jesus says in verse 43 again, and when he talks about this is how we do it, this is how his disciples do it, but it's also how we do it. He says, not so with you, meaning you don't do it the way the rest of the world does around you. You don't use the people and the power and the position and the potential and the opportunity for your own gain. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to, must be first must be the slave of all. They must make themselves the last. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the message and that's the hope of Easter. Jesus gave his life for us, he defeated sin and death in the grave and today we celebrate that. Jesus, for you and I, he turned the ultimate obstacle, sin, our separation from God, our inability to do anything about that, our powerlessness in a very cosmic way, similar to Bartimaeus, the blind beggar by the side of the road. Jesus turned that into the ultimate opportunity. He forgave our sin. He defeated the power of sin and death and the grave. He healed the separation that existed between God and us and restored the relationship. But now, that gives us purpose to live in a new way. Because the best way to celebrate that on a day like this is not just to come to church online and sing the songs and then go to lunch and eat ham, it's to live the Easter reality every single day, not just this day. Because of the removal of that ultimate obstacle in our lives, the obstacles that are in our lives, the people, the relationships, and the things that seem like they're obstacles, can become opportunities if we'll look at them with the eyes of Jesus and live out that Easter reality in the lives of others. Here's what this really boils down to. Jesus gave his life for us so that we can give our lives to others. Jesus did the thing we could not do. He healed our debt of sin and brokenness and separation from God. He restored that by his work on the cross, but now it doesn't get us off the hook. It means that we still follow in the way of Jesus, and we give our lives away to others. Jesus was raised to life, and he raises us to life in every way. Victory over sin, but also hope, and a hope that's not just for us, but for those around us as well. To live as Jesus lived, as the scripture says clearly, like we read today, is to serve in the way that he served and to serve the people that he served as well. Where in your life is someone or something that looks like an obstacle that Jesus might want to use as an opportunity? And that's the real message of Easter. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you came that you died for our sins on the cross, that you paid the debt that we could not pay. We were powerless. We were like the beggar at the side of the road, but on an exponentially greater level. And you came and did the thing that we could not do. You forgave our sin. If we will trust in you. if we will invite you as our Savior and our Lord. And for maybe a couple of us listening, this is an opportunity to do that for the very first time to say, Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I've fallen short and that my sin separates me from God. It breaks the relationship, but you came to make that relationship whole and to make it right. And so I receive your free gift of salvation today on this day, Easter 2022, that my life might take on a different meaning, that I'd begin again and I can live in this upside down way that I've seen you do. But I don't just receive that gift for myself, I receive that gift so that I can live in such a way that you're seen in the lives of others. And so for all of us today, would you show us in our lives where there's someone or something that we see as an obstacle that you want to turn into an opportunity by your power? And you wanna use us, you wanna work through us, you want us to be your hands and feet. You want us to serve just like you served. You didn't come to take the power and the position and the prestige and the opportunity for yourself. But you came to use it on behalf of others, to pour yourself out in small ways and in large ways. With the Easter reality we celebrate, not just be the songs we sing and the thing we remember, the events of this day, where you rose again from the grave But would we rise up with resurrection power in our lives? Would we live differently? Would we pour ourselves out knowing that you have poured yourself out for us and so there's nothing we can lose, but we stand the chance to gain everything? Would you show us what this looks like in our life? And would we live this Easter reality every single day from here on for the rest of the year? We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you by your grace for what you will do in our lives and through us into the lives of others. And we give you the glory for that. And pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you for being here with us today. Happy Easter. Christ is risen and he has given you and I hope that begins right now. So go live in that hope and have a great week and we'll see you soon.